so I unexpectedly had the opportunity to preach today, um, and I, I kind of had a, a, a rough outline. This all yesterday. When you remember the day I was I was in a bad mood, um, so so I had this outline kind of in my head. And um, anyway, I, I think this needs to be maybe the maybe this needs to be priming the pump. Uh, you know, maybe there's, maybe, I feel like there's a lot more that I wanted to express today that I'm not going to get to because I didn't, um, I just, just my thoughts didn't form yesterday when I was trying to study this. So, uh, if this sermon comes out just sounding grouchy, then, uh, I'll, I, you, I take, I, I can receive that. Um, that being said, I do want to say this, um, I think that maybe there is, hmm, how do I say this? Um, you know, it's not the job of paid, a paid professional staff to minister in a church. You guys know that? The church is a unique organization. It's a u- organization that is designed to, to, to be organic, to, to minister to itself. That's why God gives gifts of the Spirit, and He gives those to individuals in the church, not to not just to people who are up here on this platform, and not just to people who may find themselves with a specific title. But God gives everybody gifts, um, and I think one of the ways that our church services sometimes can be lopsided is we can have we can put a disproportionate amount of value on this part of our service. We can somehow think that there's special value in a sermon that is that is that makes a sermon more valuable than than maybe what Steve just did uh, uh, leading a Sunday school uh, uh, topic or maybe worship time or maybe even your opportunities to express to the church the your blessings and failures through the week. How many people have been incredibly blessed? Just by hearing somebody else say, this is what God did this week. And in some ways, that can be life-changing to, to somebody to hear, oh, wow, I actually go to church with another human. <laughs> like, that, that can be really valuable. And so I was just thinking about it this morning that, um, you know, it, it, it really, I think, I think we have to, Okay, let me back up. I was feeling super self-conscious about the fact that I had a very short sermon to preach. Probably the shortest sermon that I've ever put together is what I have to preach today. Um, and I, one thumbs up. Okay. All right. Uh, so it's not all bad. But, um, uh, you know, maybe the reason I was feeling self-conscious about it is because I've had a wrong perspective of it. Maybe I've had thought of church uh, and maybe maybe upside down or backwards. Um, I, I truly love the church of Jesus Christ. Not just this particular body, but around the world. It, it, it's such a unique org- organism, an organism. And I, 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 I'm learning to value it even more. And I love this particular expression of it as well. Um, all of you uh, contribute valuable things to my life into my family's life, and I'm deeply appreciative of that. And so the, the things that I say today may sound 
Um, I don't like it when I hear people speak disparagingly about the church, whether it's the church at large or the local assembly, because I don't know. I I think it's I can receive, um, I guess, helpful criticism, but like, like let's not just tear it apart just for the fun of tearing it apart. And I don't want to do that today. Yet there are ways that I feel like we need to be encouraged. Um, there, there is, I think there is a tremendous danger that religious groups find themselves facing. And the danger is um, the fact that we can all get together and follow the, the, the basically follow each other. We can um, do the right things. We can follow what the group affirms as quote-unquote right living. And yet we ourselves can go on never genuinely changed by Jesus. We can do the right things, never genuinely changed. We assess ourselves as righteous based on looking at the person beside us. We look around and we assess ourselves as righteous. We can have a hard time identifying what, what do people actually need Jesus for? Like, it almost feels a little bit, can just feel a little bit like an add-on. And Jesus just becomes a little bit of a, maybe a, a divine pat on the head. Or, you know, keep up the good work, Luke. Love you so much. You're doing great. And, and Jesus becomes our divine uh, uh, cheerleader, maybe. Not the, the one who, who paid the ransom because of 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 my my sinfulness um and so we can become really good at doing exactly what paul warns us not to do which is just comparing ourselves by each other and thereby we can reap the harvest that he promised of foolishness um i I think junior mentioned this morning uh he, he said um we can something to the fact we can easily judge everyone else by our own experiences, and that can slice a couple of different ways. We can judge other people by our own experiences. Um, if I were doing what they're doing, that would be sinful, and so therefore we can think poorly of them. Or conversely, um, we can we can think highly of someone because of a certain thing, which which maybe may not be true. Um, and, and so all of this, all of, all of these things result in churches that are filled with people who have been Christians for years and years and years and have never been truly changed by Jesus Christ. And that bothers me. It, 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 it bothers me because it's so easy to encounter it both at large and 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 I think even in my own life sometimes. Um, so I, I ask, why? How how does this happen? How do we get here as a church? How do churches get there? And I think the answer is that we learn chiefly. We learn to care about one thing, and that's what you think of me. We learn to think more of what other people think about us then we think about what God thinks about us. We, pray, we place supreme value 
on our standing with other people versus our standing with God. And then we end up with a church full of people who can perform really, really well and are never actually, have never been truly changed from their hearts uh, by Jesus Christ. Um, what does it matter? What does it matter if everyone in this room thinks that I am an incredible human being, a wonderful Christian, but God doesn't share that, uh, that belief? What, what, do, what, what does it matter? And you say, well, of course God would. Does he? What, what would it matter if I lived my life and everyone thought I was an amazing guy, but I stood before God ashamed because I realized I wasted my life. I wasted it pursuing your affirmation and admiration, pursuing money and uh, status. Those things are all very, very easy for me to chase. All of those things. I love them all. And it's very easy for me to disorder my priorities. Um, Dallas Willard has, he uses the phrase, um, liberate, we, he says, we need to be liberated from our slavery to human eyes. Now, what does it take for us to be liberated from our slavery to human eyes? Last last Sunday, I shared I shared a, I guess a confession like the, some stuff that I had spoken that I felt like I shouldn't have, um, and I admit before I shared that even as I was thinking about that the previous day I don't remember it's like oh I don't want to talk about that if I if I admit that what will people think about me people will think Luke really I mean you know. I have all these rationalizations of why I shouldn't share my failures. And all of those rationalizations tend to be around, I don't want people to think about me in a certain way. And so, therefore, I don't want to talk about that. And maybe I'm completely alone. I acknowledge that there may be a high possibility of that. But I feel like I'm not. I tend to have a very, I'll say, maybe left-leaning social network, um, uh, especially on LinkedIn. And because of that, sometimes I'm very conscious about the things that I hit like on. I'm very conscious about the things that I post. Way too conscious about it. It's embarrassing for me to admit that. Why, why, why am I embarrassed to hit like on somebody that just makes a statement about traditional marriage. Why would I? Why would I? It's not that I'm embarrassed. I just, like, what, what, would, what would this guy think? And what would that guy think? Like, there's a whole chain of, like, decision, uh, decision tree that I go through in my mind. Well, that's a, only a one-sided, you know. I think Friday I had lunch with a guy. And I asked him about a specific acquaintance of his. I said, is this guy a Christian? And he looked at me and he said, Luke, that is very convicting that you would ask me that question. Something to that effect. He said, I typically know where every person 
that I work with stands with Jesus. But I can't answer that question about him. I was like, and I just asked, I said, you what? How in the world do you do that? Like, it, takes, it takes so much effort on my part to engage in a conversation with a colleague about Jesus. And I'm embarrassed by that. I wonder why. Why am I so afraid of what people would think about me? What if I just lived my life boldly from a platform of faith and said, you know what, Jesus, the results are yours. Not, you know, I think there's a way to do that winsomely and, winsomely and not uh, uh, abrasively. But um, So uh, what does it take to be liberated from our slavery to human eyes? Um, I, I do think we, we, we never truly quit caring. We, we'll never quit caring about what people think. In fact, I don't even know that I would say that's the goal. I'm not even sure if it's completely healthy to quit caring what people think. Um, in fact, sometimes you hear that said, like, I don't care what they think, and it's normally not the healthiest kind of expression. Um, but I do think that we can get our priorities disordered, that we can care chiefly what other people think, and, and less so, what does God think? We can care chiefly, what, how will this affect my reputation, and less so, how will this affect Christ's reputation? Um, so, uh, when, when we are in bondage to human eyes, we just want to look a certain way. We just want to look in a way that we've decided is, is, is good. And it's irrespective of whether or not that corresponds to the condition of our hearts. We want to look a certain way, irrespective of whether it corresponds to our hearts. In the last few years, um, the word authentic has kind of become a buzzword. Is that, is that true? Anybody else recognize that? I, I, don't, I didn't know if it was just my awareness of it or if, it, if it's actually a, a real thing. Um, but I feel like it is a real thing, and I feel like it's happened in the last 10 years, um, that the word authentic has suddenly become like, I don't know, even culturally, definitely culturally, but even in the church, the authentic craze or buzzword is, is, is all over. And it's kind of like the new cool, like, oh, you're authentic. Um, so, but as, as the authentic, authenticity movement has moved into the wider culture, into the church, it really just means be how you feel. That's really what it means to be authentic these days, is just be how you feel. And whatever you feel, express that outwardly, and that makes you authentic. And, and that's all driven by the belief that the truest thing about you is what you feel. And so when you act out in a way that aligns with how you feel, that makes you authentic, fully connected between your inner man and outer man, for lack of better terminology. Uh, I'm sure there's a, a more accurate way of saying that. Um, so when you don't live in alignment to how you feel, that you become inauthentic. However, I believe, and maybe we need to choose a different word than authentic, because I don't think that's what it means to be authentic, or at least that's not the way I use it. I should say that. To me, authentic means just that it's without pretense. It's based on facts. It's based it has its roots in reality. As an authentic person, I'm not going to put on a show for you. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to uh, be a hypocrite. 
authentic Christians guide their ways, their, their lives in such a way to, um, to avoid wrongdoing. But it's not because they're afraid of getting caught. That's not why we avoid doing wrong. I don't, I don't, not, I don't not have an affair because I'm afraid I might be found out. It's because I want to do the right thing. Authentic Christians live their lives free from the control of the opinions of other people. Authentic Christians live their lives free from the control of the opinions of other people. So how do we get to the point where we allow the chains that we have, the the bondage that we have to human eyes to drop? How do we let our chains of bondage to human eyes drop? Jesus said this. He said, whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Do you think there's any chance that as a church we've lost sight of the calling that we have to die? I know that that is not a popular calling. And I also know that the calling to take up your cross, the call to uh, death to self is something that fell out of favor um, recently with the rise of a more therapeutic rendition of the gospel. Um, we, we talk less about dying to self now, and we talk more about how much God loves you and how much he's pleased with you and how much he wants the best for you. Right? Does everybody agree with that? Um, and, and just for the record, I'm not bemoaning that fact. Um, I think that there were actually gross distortions on the whole dying to self movement. Um, And I think the rise of the more therapeutic rendering of the gospel sought to fix that. However, like normally happens in these things, we tend to veer from one ditch to the other, and we're kind of doing that. Um, Let me explain what I mean by that. Many religious, many religious traditions and many religious traditions that we've all been part of thought that the harder we can make life, the better it is because it's all about dying to self. The harder we can make it, the better um, because then we know that we've really died, you know, we've really died to ourselves. Um, and in and, 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 and these traditions, they weaponize the words of Jesus, including the call to die to self, and they use it. To create a law that turned the gospel into a heavy burden. And as a result, people forget that the call to die was also a call to live. The call to die opens the door to living. And people tend to focus on the death part and completely forget about the life part on the other side. Conversely, the therapeutic gospel, I don't even know if that's a term, but it made sense when I wrote it. Uh, the therapeutic gospel seems to, af- to affirm 
I'm sorry, it seeks to affirm that God just loves you because you are so amazing. And God would never ask you to do anything that hurts you. He would never ask you to do anything that's uncomfortable or that causes sacrifice. That's the therapeutic gospel. And as a result, people forget that our God is the God of the cross. Our God is the God of the cross. And I've, uh, I've been thinking about this, this simple fact that our God is the God of the cross. We have a God who hung on a cross. And we can easily forget that Jesus said, hey, if you want to come after me, you're going to have to take up your cross too. Um, this is a real, I think this is a real thing. This is a real call. This is a real call that every Christian must embrace. What does the cross look like for me? Um, I've been reading a book called, uh, interestingly called God, God's Gift to Women uh, by Eric Ludy. Uh, actually, a very good book. Um, but he talks about an experience he had where uh, early on in his Christian life with a bunch of young guys, they wanted to go into uh, New Orleans at Mardi Gras to do some evangelism. And he was deeply ashamed, did not want to be part of it, uh, wanted to distance himself from the people as much as possible. They literally took this rough-hewn uh, you know, uh, cross down into the middle of the street of Mardi Gras with the multitudes of drunken people around and erected a cross and proceeded to um, proclaim the gospel to anyone who would listen. And Eric just kind of hung back. I don't know who those guys are. Um, until a couple hours in, the guy who was holding the cross said, hey, we, can you come and hold it? And he was like, oh. nothing inside of him wanted to go and hold the cross. And finally he found his way up to the cross. Finally he managed to get his arm around the cross. And he said when he did, the most incredible thing happened. Suddenly, he found himself identifying with the God who hung on the cross in a way that he had never experienced in his entire life. And he found himself taking on the other side of the throng. And I wondered if there's a place in my life where I need to find my way through the crowd and find a way to put my arm around the cross. And I wondered if there is, uh, if, if um, maybe there's a way that I'm still hanging back, like Eric, and still looking on from a distance. So how do we connect to a call to die? How do we live an authentic Christian life? The, the authenticity buzz has created an environment where the goal is um, merely authenticity unto itself. So the goal is just to be authentic, to be authentic. There's no real higher call in that. But I think the reason authenticity is important is because the gospel seeks to transform who we are, the very core of our being, the very inside. That, as Eric puts it, the very control center of our hearts, the gospel seeks to transform that place, 
that the gospel wants to get in there. We, the gospel wants to evict Luke from that very control center and instead enthrone Jesus Christ. And authenticity is important because it helps me to be honest with the ways that maybe to the degree that I've allowed that to happen. Does that make sense? Um, the danger with religious groups is that people just seek to fit in. That we're just here to fit in. We're just here because our friends are here and because it's a good place to hang out. It's a good place to be. Um, I think the first step, the first step, if we want to be authentic Christians, is we first have to honestly assess the gaps. And that's why I love what Steve has been doing with the Sunday school class. It has been very illuminating for me as I've just just thought through that every Sunday. The Sermon on the Mount. Man, wow. Look at what Jesus actually says. Like these teachings on money. Teachings on lust. Teachings on forgiveness and love. um, Teachings on humility. And I've realized that, um, that there is a tremendous tendency for me to read the Bible assuming that the warnings in the Bible are only for those people and the blessings in the Bible, man, those are for me to claim. Right? That's, we never, almost, almost never do we read the Bible and claim the warnings. We, read, we, we have to read the Sermon on the Mount as a call. As a, as a, as a call to me from Jesus. Not as a checklist, but it's a call, a way for me to live my life, a blueprint, if you will. That if I want to model my life after Christ, I can step into this blueprint and begin to walk. And man, there's going to be so many ways that I'm going to fall short. And that's why inside of the authentic Christian community, I believe there has to be confession. To the degree that we embrace confession, we will see the gap of how far we have to, to walk in this path uh, of, of uh, following Christ. Um, we need to let the Word of God speak to us personally. We can't just read it so that we feel better so that we feel better about ourselves. To the, to the extent that my dreams, And my desires and my wishes and my abilities are in alignment with the word of God. Then these are gifts from God for me to steward, for me to maximize and for me to lean into. But to the extent that they are not, they're opportunities for Luke to die. And they're opportunities for me to step into the life of Christ. The cross of Christ represents life. It represented life for him. It represents life for me. When I get to die, it repre- there's always life on the other side. Our Christian communities have to mirror the realities of what's happening in our, own, in our own hearts. And if they don't, then they just fall into dead religious institutions. If we say that we don't have sin, then we're just living in self-deception. And the truth isn't in us. But yet, if we confess our sin... He's faithful, and he's just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
And if we confess our sins to each other, then we can pray for each other so that we can experience healing. Those are promises from Scripture for the authentic Christian community. And I think there are promises that um, maybe, maybe we need to brush off and uh, you know, um, uh, revitalize our um, spiritual lives with. Um, so I'm supposed to close. And it's weird to, to, to preach a message and close it. So here's what I'm going to do. Um, I think in closing, um, as I was thinking about this, we have very few opportunities in church to really uh, um, just pray for each other. Just uh, maybe, I think, I think we, we, do, we do have that from time to time. Um, but but uh, I wonder what would happen if we just closed this with, you know, every maybe two or three pews each each row, just kind of get together, make a little group. If there's somebody that has a prayer request, pray for it. And if there's if there's not, then somebody just pray and, and, and dismiss that group. So I am not going to dismiss you. So right now, uh, stand up and every two or three pews, just get together, huddle and look. I, I, I see a hand waving. You know what? J- Joey, your group is that right in there. So you make sure you play, pray, pray over Joey. Um, uh, that's, thank you for pointing that out. Um, so glad you're getting to go to Ukraine. So we, we are cheering you on. Uh, love what you're doing over there. Um, So everybody pray for Joey. So you're going to get multiple prayers.